January 14th, drop the puck against the Rangers. But it's just the mentality, the hard work, blue collar, play both ends of the ice. With only divisional play, all these games are four-point games. I, I still believe Matthew Barzell is in the lineup for the uh, season opener on January 14th. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm your captain for this uh, next little few minutes here, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And on today's episode, we're going to have a nice chat with AJ Malesko, uh, the fine analyst for MSG Networks and NBC Sports, and now the host of her own podcast. AJ was nice enough to uh, chat about all things Islanders with me, and we're going to get to that interview very shortly because uh, AJ is a uh, very interesting listen. And uh, and then we're going to do some Andrew's answers uh, at the end of the show, as we so often do. And uh, there were a ton of questions as the Islanders head into the regular season as they make their way through training camp. Um, But before we start the show, I I just wanted to uh, uh, open on on a personal note, really a a thank you to, to so many of you and really to all of you, as many of you know. Uh, my father passed away last week. Uh, I had to take some uh, time off to be with the family. And uh, I, I got to say, uh, uh, me and, and, and my family were just blown away uh, by the support that so many people showed for uh, for our family uh, at this time through social media and, and through emails and, and just reaching out to me and, uh, you know, uh, hearing uh other people's stories about dealing with uh you know a parent with alzheimer's or or, or going through that so uh honestly i i, I cannot I- express my gratitude enough uh, it, it just meant everything to me it, it, i think i put this up on twitter but it, it's something i will never ever forget the uh, just the outpouring and, and the support shown and uh from the from our entire family to all of you. Thank you so much just for being there for us and uh, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, um, that's a tough transition going from that to hockey. But uh, you know what? It is very, very, very exciting uh, just being on the, on the cusp of this regular season finally, uh, you know. The uh, COVID-19 pandemic obviously is still raging, uh, even though the uh, vaccines have started to be rolled out. It's still a very dangerous time, but the NHL is going to uh, get going on January 13th. And the range, uh, the Islanders are going to get going against the Rangers, uh, two games at the Garden to start the season on January 14th and 16th. Uh, the Islanders then have their home opener against the Bruins on January 18th. They also host the Devils on the January 21st. But those are the only two home games uh, this month out of a total of nine games. 
So uh, interesting, challenging schedule for the Islanders early on. And, you know, as we've discussed, uh, this training camp is very similar to what the Islanders did uh, over the summer. Their training camp 2.0 leading into the return to play in the playoff bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, You got to get off the ground or get off the ice skating very, very fast. It's a 56-game regular season. And again, you know, that's if the NHL can fit all these games in and not... Uh, have to take a detour because of the pandemic. Um, the the plan is to play fifty six games. You know, there's a there's some time off uh, in February, beginning of March. You know, where maybe there you know if some games have to be rescheduled or if the schedule has to be uh, you know tinkered with in any way, there is wiggle room in there. But really, it's it's a sprint of a of a short season, 56 games for each of the teams and the NHL season is going to come and go in 116 days. Uh, So for the most part, these teams are going to be playing every other day. There's going to be very little practice time once the season gets underway. So whatever foundations, whatever fundamentals, whatever team structure these coaches, these 31 coaches are trying to instill, they have a short you know, for the 24 teams that made the postseason, they have 10-day training camps, and uh, uh, the, the the seven teams that missed it were able to open up on December 31st, so I think they had three extra practices. Either way, it's not a lot of time. There are no preseason games, so January 14th, drop the puck against the Rangers, you're going to be seeing things, you know, coaches are going to be figuring things out quickly in the season that, you know, sometimes might be uh, uh, thought out and worked out during the preseason games. You know, usually teams have, you know, six to eight preseason games. There's none of that. But again, you know, the NHL doing its best to limit travel, limit exposure, and uh, try and get through the season through this pandemic. And uh, uh, preseason games are just deemed you know, an unacceptable risk, you know, if you're going to play games, make them count. And, uh, of course the, uh, the 31 teams are grouped into four divisions, uh, geographically to limit travel again. And you're going to see, you know, these two game series, like for instance, the Islanders play at the garden, you know, twice in three days, the 14th and the 16th. And then they go to, uh, Washington, they play the Capitals twice in three days, the 26th and the 28th. And then they go to Philly and they play twice uh, on back-to-back nights on the 30th and 31st. Um, And that's all to limit travel and, uh, you know, try and get through this season. Um, The coaches are not going to have, as I mentioned, there's going to be very little time to experiment. If a player does not start fast, uh, coach is just going to go to the next option. Uh, these coaches do not have time to uh, to wait for a player to have his game rounded into shape uh, for the most part. And uh, again, you know, as Barry Trotz has said, and as you hear, as you'll hear AJ say, um, with only in, with only divisional play, all these games are four point games. Lou Lamarillo said, we're going to be playing 56 playoff games to get to the postseason. And, and it is true. You, you cannot 
afford to, to get behind in these divisions. Uh, four of the eight teams make it, only four of the eight teams. And, uh, and in the Canadian division, which has seven teams, obviously four of the seven teams, so the odds are a little bit better there. But the competition is, is going to be very intense. You look at the, uh, at the Islanders' division, uh, you know, where's, where's the soft underbelly in the schedule? You know, the Rangers are an up-and-coming up and team. The Bruins had the most points in the league last season. Uh, the Devils were one of the two teams in this division, along with the Buffalo Sabres, not to make the postseason. Uh, but the Devils have a, a, you know, a solid young core that's learning. They got a goalie uh, they think of the future in Mackenzie Blackwood. So I, I expect the Devils to be a much tougher test this season. Uh, the Capitals, you know, Alex Ovechkin's not going anywhere. The the Philadelphia Flyers uh, gave the Islanders everything they could handle in the playoffs. Uh, uh, the Sabres, you know, like I said, they didn't make the uh, uh, the postseason, but they did add Taylor Hall, former Hart Trophy winner, and uh, you know uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they're not going anywhere either with uh, Sidney Crosby and. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. Um, they got a new number one goalie in Tristan Jarry. Jarry, however you want to pronounce it. Um, so it's it's a ridiculous division. It's, it, it is the toughest of the four divisions. Um, where do the Islanders shake out? Do, do they... Do they get one of those four spots within the division? That's uh, It's going to be a tough task, and we'll get AJ's thoughts on that, like I said, as I keep teasing, very, very soon here. Just uh, a little bit on training camp. The, the first three days, uh, Barry Trotz really, you know, the first two days, Barry Trotz did nothing but fundamentals and drill work, and then uh, he had the, the first scrimmage. Um, you know, these, these scrimmages are really going to substitute for the preseason games. So, uh, their importance, uh, goes up, you know, incredibly high, uh, compared to what maybe a, a normal training camp, uh, scrimmage might be. Um, you know, uh, they haven't, they didn't do any special teams work and, you know, uh, you, you could see kind of glimpses of lines and, uh, you know, it does seem like Barry is, you know, a lot is a lot is set, but there are openings, and uh, of course, you still have the question of, you know, when, when, if Matthew Barzell signs this uh, deal as a restricted free agent. Um, you know, the, he's he's around, he's skating, he's working out on his own, but he's not with the group. And as Barry Trotz said the other day, uh, you're not going to be. You're going to be behind pretty quickly uh, if you're not in camp, especially the way this season's going. So it really behooves Lou Lamarillo to get Matthew Barzell in here as quickly as possible. And uh, it behooves Matthew Barzell uh, to be in as quickly as possible. Um, you know, they, they had a long time to work on this deal, and now... You know, it's past crunch time, and and the Islanders need Barzell. You know, obviously Matthew Barzell's side knows that. Um, but there is a, a flat cap to work with, and uh, Lou can't do anything now that that's going to really hamper him next season if there there is another, uh, 
you know, flat cap, which is the expectation at 81.5 million. Um, so these are delicate negotiations. Um, the expectation still is that this is going to get done. Uh, I, I still believe Matthew Barzell is in the lineup for the uh, season opener on January 14th, but uh, time is growing short. And I thought it was interesting the other day, uh, you know, as I said, you're, you're seeing groupings of these uh, lineups here. Um, that second line is a lock. Brock Nelson in between Anthony Beauvillier and Josh Bailey, that is a lock. And, and you would think the fourth line, uh, the Sezekis, Martin Clutterbuck is a, is a lock. And, and Eberle and Lee are going to be on the wings on the top line. And, and you slot Barzell in there as soon as he gets in. But if not, you know, uh, Barry had John Gabriel Pajot skating there the other day. And I think, you know, no Barzy, you're going to see Pajot there. But that kind of takes away from the center depth. And uh, then what are you doing with that third line? Does that open a spot for Otto Koivula? Uh, to start the season in the middle, maybe with a, a Oliver Wallstrom too, or or, or a Kiefer Bellows, you know. Uh, so uh, there are still some answers to be found through training camp here, and uh, you know to delve a little bit further into the Islanders. Like I said, I, I spoke to the great AJ Malesko, and uh, here is that chat I had with AJ. And I'm so thrilled to be joined by my friend, A.J. Malesko, uh, who does such a wonderful job on uh, MSG Networks, on the Islanders broadcast, and nationally on NBC, and who has now joined the podcast world with the, with the rest of us. She's doing Girls on the Bus with Cami Granado, and, and congratulations on that, A.J., and first off, Happy New Year to you and your family. Have a healthy one, and it, it's great to to talk hockey with you again. Um, just tell me about the podcast a little bit and, and you know, what you'd like to do with your podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, Andrew. It's great to see you. Great to hear from you. It means hockey is right around the corner. I can't wait. Um, and yeah, the, the podcast has been, we just started it. So uh, we started recording in December. We just uh, released our first episodes actually uh, just recently. Um, and it's been fun. So Cammy and I were teammates in 98 and 2002 and for, you know, years between and after and before. Um, she's a great friend of mine and um, it's been really fun to reconnect with her. And I think our, you know, our purpose is, is to have fun and our purpose is to, to interview inspiring and interesting people, which we've done so far. Um, and it's, you know, it does tend to have a focus on, on women and women in sports or not even women breaking barriers, things like that, but we're not deliberately doing that. I think we're, we're looking forward to having other people on and just stories that interest us. And, uh, it's, it's a little scary because we're, we're throwing it out there, but I have to say all our conversations, podcasts are fun. It's casual and, uh, and you can dig in a little deeper than just the typical, you know, interview that you see either on TV or whatnot that's limited in scope. So, um, so we'll see. But yeah, tune in, Girls on the Bus. It's been so fun so far. That's great. And where can uh, listeners uh, find that? Uh, that's a great question. That's above my pay grade, but I know you can find it on Apple and Spotify, uh, Stitcher, I think. Um, we do have Cami's niece, Ali Granato, who has been fantastic, and she has sort of been managing that for us. I guess I. I'm showing how much of a rookie I am. I'll be prepared for that question next time somebody asks me. But all the usual spots, I've been told. 
Well, I, I, and knowing how well you do with everything else and have done, I'm sure this is going to be a great listen. And I wish you all the best of luck with it. And if you have advice, I am the wrong person to ask on anything. So. <laughs> I doubt that. Well, I appreciate the kind words, but I laugh that you say I do such a good job. You're always at the games, Andrew. You don't get to see me on TV. You have no idea. I might be terrible at my job, for all you know. Oh, I, I was <laughs> sitting at home watching all through the postseason. So, no, I, I got a chance to watch. And uh, I'm sure during this season, I'll be home a lot more getting a chance to watch. And, and also, I see the way you, you, you work the room and you, you, you develop relationships with the players when we were allowed into the dressing rooms and, and also with Barry. So, uh, so let, let, let's talk a little Islanders here. Tell me, you know, what you expect out of this team going into the season. They certainly set a high bar last season reaching the Eastern Conference Final. But now almost the pressure is on the organization, third season of Lou and Barry, to really take that next step. How, how do you see them doing that? You know, I think that they are, they have such a good core. And I love the way that Barry and Lou have, have built it, right? Over the last two years together, the foundation, the building blocks, it's essentially the same team. Obviously, there are some, some notable exceptions. Um, but I, I think that the way that they built the culture of the team, the, the winning culture, the, uh, the team culture, the, you know, we can get into the nitty gritties of it, the defense and the, the, that structure of the layers that he builds into it. But it's just the mentality, the hard work, blue collar, play both ends of the ice. Uh, and you could see that from the beginning. And Barry Trotz had that street cred right when he came in because he had just come in from winning in Washington. So he had the players year. They were ready to learn from him. Uh, Lou obviously comes well. I mean, he's been around forever, right? So he's he's done a lot um, in this league. And people certainly, he's got some quirky rules, which are infamous, but people are okay with it because usually it comes with success as well. So it, you're right that they're, they're, they do have pressure on them more so than they have the past two years. I, I, you know, two years ago when Barry and Lou came in, they, I remember early on in the season, I was talking to somebody. I said, I think they might make the playoffs. And it was a non-Islanders person. I thought I was crazy. I mean, they literally laughed in my face. And now it's not, it's not funny to anybody nationally. Now, I, I will say that I love you and I have been on some of these Zooms with, with the players and with Barry when he says that, um, that they didn't win the cup, so he's not satisfied. And a lot of people were very happy with an Eastern Conference appearance, and it's taking the eventual winners to six games. But Barry Trotz said, I will still be thinking about that loss of lightning on my deathbed. So for him, it show, again, it shows his expectations, how high he sets it. So to answer your question, where do I see them going? I mean, they have the potential to go all the way. There's no question about that. They're also in a really stacked Eastern division. So making that top four is going to be an incredible accomplishment, an incredible challenge for them to even get there. But once you get there, anything can happen. And again, they've got the, they've got the culture and the building blocks. So I'm really excited. It's a sprint, not a marathon this year. So we'll be quick to, quick to get out of the gates. See, you are good because you just cut me off the pass at uh, my next question. I was, <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, they do have these expectations and, you know, you look at the Islanders and you think this is a playoff team, but as you brought up this East division, I mean, there, there's not a single easy team, even, you know, the Sabres and the Devils who are the only, you know, they're the two of the eight teams in this division that were not in the uh, postseason restart. Uh, the Sabres add Taylor Hall, you know, they still have Jack Eichel, uh, you know, good coach in Ralph Kruger. 
and the Devils are getting Lindy Ruff in, and you got Jack Hughes and Nico Heeshear, you know, and and a, a developing core there. So there's really not an easy game here. Do you see, you know, how how do you see this division, and how do you see the Islanders getting through this, and, and can they be one of those top four? Uh, they definitely can be one of the top fours, and on paper, I think they should be one of the top four. Um, obviously, as you just mentioned, though, paper doesn't mean much when it comes down to it. And you're talking about heart and soul. Now, I think the Islanders have that too, and they have they have what it takes, and they proved it through this these last playoffs in August and September. Um, with that said, I, I think that any every season's a little different, uh, and this one is even more different because you have the divisional realignments where they play everybody eight times. So there be, there sort of becomes this added um, or an a- added element that we can't predict right now. And we could look and say, okay, they're going to play the Rangers eight times. That's going to be heated. It's always heated when they play the Rangers. Does it, is it going to be extra hot? Maybe because they play each other so often. Um, does that mean that they have a, a, you know, a rough physical game against the devils and therefore the next time they play them, there's something that erupts, right? There's all these, these, sort of inner storylines that will that could play out and every game of course is now becomes a four-point game because it's all inter- interdivisional and they're not flying out to the west coast and they're not going to canada so these games have an added element of uh of importance as they near you know again it's a it's a shorter season too so they ha- they have to come out of the gates they can't they can't mess around with line combinations. If they've got injuries, they've got to move on to the next guy. I mean, there's all these different things that these coaches have to take into account and the players too. too. Um, so, you know, I think ultimately your question was, do I think they can be in the top four? Absolutely. I think the Islanders are built to be there. But again, that's what's, what's exciting about the season until the puck drops, you never know. Yeah. I mean, the Bruins look like to be in transition this season, but you know, they're, they're still going to be good, you know, and, uh, and obviously the, the Rangers with uh, Alexis coming in, they're going to, you know, all the expectations there. Uh, Flyers gave the Islanders everything they could handle in the postseason. The Capitals, you know, with Peter Laviolette coming in, you know, and getting Dano Char. It's, and the Penguins still have Sid and Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. It's, it's a ridiculous division. It is. And it's, it's so exciting when you just, just listening to you list all the teams and all the big names that we are fortunate enough to get to see all the time right now. Of course, the other divisions have some big names as well too, but it is um, when you look at that and when you look at how stacked it is and the ups and downs of an 82 game season and the lulls that maybe happen in some teams because they go through injuries that won't happen this year. I mean, obviously there will be injuries and there may be an off night here or there, but they've got to snap out of it quicker. So when you're talking, I mean, yeah, Philly is one of the teams that was really fun to watch last year. I know that's, that's hard to say to Islanders fans because of the heated matchup they had in the, in the playoffs, but they were so, they were like mirror images of each other, the way they played that, I hate to use the term gritty for obvious reasons, <laughs> but they both were very gritty teams. And, and they were both sort of embo- um, embodied that underdog mentality, right? And, you know, at the beginning of, of we were talking and you said that uh, the expectations are higher, but I still think the Islanders, their identity is somewhat of that underdog mentality. And I think that's a good thing. I think they own it even if other people start expecting more of them, they know that they're, they can do this. They know that they can beat any team in the league on any given night. And I think they like 
to think of themselves as underdogs. I think that's part of the culture that Barry and Lou are building. Obviously, the, the, the first question with the Islanders is, you know, when does Matthew Barzell sign? And for the sake of this interview, let's just assume that he gets done and, and he's in, you know, so we don't have to dissect everything going on with Matt Barzell. But past Barzy, you know, the, the team does take a hit in terms of defensive depth with, with Johnny Boychuk not being able to play anymore and Lou having to trade uh, Devontae's to the Avalanche for salary cap reasons. But you have Noah Dobson now uh, assuming a full-time role. Um, who are the players on this team you are looking at to take a, you know, maybe that next step up this season? You mean forwards or D, or are you just talking uh, defensively? Yeah, yeah, yeah all you know, I, you know, I think that you obviously hit one of them, Dobson. I think he's got a lot of upside, and I think he's been brought along in exactly the way that Lou likes to bring his players along, to, to give them a taste, have them get a sense of the pros, right? He played just over 30 games last year. He got to go in the bubble, played when Pellick was injured at the end of the playoffs. So he got some really valuable experience, but the experience in some ways was off the ice. The experience was traveling and being around this team and this core of veterans. So I expect, I expect a big jump from him. This year, especially if he's paired with right now, I think he's paired paired with Andy Green, who's a yeah. great veteran and can can help him along. And and you know, you talk defensively, they still have Pelican Pollock and Belletti Mayfield. I think that's going to be a great pairing. I, I'm not worried about them defensively. Devon Taves and Johnny Boychuk are phenomenal talents. So don't don't misunderstand that. That's it. those are huge holes to fill. But I do think that they've got the talent for it. Um, you know, I think that you and I were talking before this interview and I told you that uh, Pajot is one of my favorites. And I think yeah. he is one of those guys that can do it all. So I, I don't necessarily expect a breakout from him because I think he's already broken out. I think everyone saw what he's made of, but he is one of those players that is so versatile and I love watching what he brings every night. And a lot of it is the energy and the enthusiasm. And I still have in my mind, I just got a visual of him and Brian Boyle and his little, his, his faint <laughs> to fight him. And, you know, that sort of that, that playfulness that he brings with the intensity. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens when you look at some of these younger players that are coming up through these camps and through these next couple of weeks, again, with a shorter season, how much does Barry Trotz give Oliver Wallstrom? Does he give Kiefer Bellows? Does he give, you know, some of these other players Then he still has Dal Cole and Johnston and, you know, it, he's got a, these pieces that he can fit around. He knows what he has with some of them. Um, and I haven't been to camp. So full disclosure, I live in Massachusetts, so I haven't been watching. Um, but I think that that the way that it's that how that third line is going to unfold to me is going to be the most interesting thing. I think the first, second and fourth line are pretty set in stone barring injury. And he's got some great talent. Barry, Barry does to fill uh, Pajot's wings. And I'm just excited to see who is going to fit into it's not who the best wings are it's who fits into Barry's system and that's what I think is going to be fascinating for all of us to watch over the next couple of weeks I was I was encouraged I mean you know from an Islander standpoint uh, I think it was the first day at camp uh, on ice uh, they were doing a, a you know defensive zone drill and Oliver Wallstrom kind of skated over to the left wall stuck out his, his stick and managed to deflect a pass that otherwise, had it been completed, would have, you know, led to a pretty good shot from the circle. And the puck deflected out of play into the stands. And that, I, I was thinking that's exactly what Barry needs to see out of Oliver Wallstrom for him to get 
that ice time. Now, it's just one play on the first day of camp, and obviously, you know, Wallstrom's got to do that day in and day out. But I, I think Oliver has just a huge opportunity here to, to really stamp himself on that third line with JG. I, I agree, and I think that those details, that's the sort of stuff that Barry notices. And, I, I mean, I don't – first impressions are powerful no matter what for humans, just for all of us. So if on the first day he's doing things like that, he's focusing on those little plays, passing lanes are a big deal. And when you're talking defensive zone, it's, it's plays like that, that as a broadcaster, I love see finding, you know, I feel like I've, I've struck gold when I see little plays and I can work with, with our truck and pull it up and, and show people what I'm seeing sometimes, you know, in, in quick time. But I think that you're absolutely right. When you have somebody like Oliver Wallstrom out there who has a lot of upside and he's, there's a lot of offensive side of him that people have seen and know about, but if he can bring that work ethic and if he can show that he's willing to buy in and he's willing to evolve his game. And that's always been the biggest thing with Barry Trotz. And even, you know, you mentioned Matt Barzell, that's, been interesting to watch the last two years his evolution right I mean it's a funny thing to talk about evolution with somebody as skilled as he is but when you take somebody like him who can do as much as he can and then Barry Trotz can take him to even the next gear right and and I think with somebody like Oliver Wallstrom perhaps not as skilled as Barzell but if you can take that game and make it a more complete game and not just focus north of the red line but you can make sure that you're coming back and you're playing on the right side of the puck and you're doing all those little things Bavillier is another one that he's done that with and he's got him to change his mindset of you know what, like, it's not about scoring goals necessarily. It's not about looking at that number. It's not about stats. It's about doing all the right things. And when Bovillier finally, not, I don't want to say finally, because it didn't take him that long, but when he started to understand that and do all the right things and block shots and hustle and forecheck, the goals started coming for him. I mean, he exploded onto the scene in, in August of this past summer in the playoffs, right? So I think that all those little things, once he gets a little, uh, Barry Trotz, that is, get some of the some of the older players ears or even the younger players it starts to sort of grow a little bit then everyone's like oh, okay I see what Barry's done with this player maybe if I listen to him I mean go figure listen to your parents listen to your coach looks what happens good things good things happen right yeah <laughs> you know I I was gonna bring up Beauvillier um I wrote about him in today's Newsday uh, you know he was on the zoom the other day I think this is you know you talk about adopts and Beauvillier's game is at a it's at a pretty good level and he's on a really good line and and with Brock Nelson and uh, Barry Trotz said he had done Josh Bailey a disservice last season by bouncing him all around not just through different lines but at different positions so like you said it, it sounds like that second line that Brock Nelson line is going you know Barry's going to stick with that and I think it's a it's a great spot for Bo and I really think, you know, if there can be a breakout player this year, you know, obviously Dobson would be one of them. I really think Beauvillier has a chance here to to really, you know, take his game up and really become that, that scoring wing while at the same time, because as you mentioned, he has that defensive foundation now where Barry will trust him in all situations. I, I really think Bo can be that that scoring wing that this organization is really sought after. Well, I think with Bovillier, the big thing for me is I've seen that from him as you have, as all of us that watch, it's the consistency. And some of that is maturity. Some of it is trust in the system, trust in his coach, which I think he's, I think Barry's earned from him and, and vice versa. So I think you're right. He's got the, the explosiveness. That's all I kept. That was a word that kept coming to mind. The, the dynamic play in the playoffs was 
and it was maybe one game of it, then two games. And I kept thinking, okay, well, he'll go into like a one or two game slump, but he just, he really did keep bringing it. And it did seem awfully consistent throughout. No, it was a short playoff. I mean, or six weeks or so long for them because they went to the Eastern conference final, but not a full season. And I like that spot from on that line. It's interesting with Barry talking about Josh Bailey um, saying it's a disservice to him only because it's a, it's maybe a disservice because he bounces around and it makes people like us or fans think that they expect more out of Josh Bailey. But to me, what it shows is so much trust, trust in his versatility. I think Barry Trotz has seen a cerebral nature to Josh Bailey. He knows how smart he is and he knows that he can adjust from wing to center, back to wing, third line, first line, wherever he goes. And Josh Bailey has a team first mentality. He said, wherever coach puts me, I'm going to go out. I'm going to work my tail off. Now with that said, is his production down because that absolutely is that what did that matter to either of them? No. So I think that you look at the way that that he's now ideally Barry Trotz solidifies that third line as you and I were talking about. So he can keep Bavillier, Nelson, and Bailey together because that's that could I mean that's a really really I mean that's a good I don't even want to say solid line that's more than solid yeah. that's a scoring line that every, anybody would be scared to play against. Yeah, I mean it creates especially when you got Barzal with Lee and Everly too, and and Pajot. I mean those are real matchup problems for opposing coaches. You know, it's it's pick your poison which which line do you want to try and shut down with, you know? <laughs> and, and by the way, let's talk about the fourth line that not that people necessarily, they don't want to match up. They don't want to put their first line against Zizekas, Martin and Clutterbuck either because they forecheck like, you know, the Tasmanian devil, right? So they don't want their top line against those guys because they pin people in their defensive zone. So that's a really solid lineup that you're absolutely right for opposing coaches when they're looking at trying to match lines. That's a headache. Yeah, and and especially when you're going against the Sezikis line when they're healthy by the third period, you know, as an opponent, your your body's worn down because they forecheck the heck out of you all game, you know, because those guys don't stop. So well, and that's one of the big things. Ed Barry said it. He said, "I just I pray for them to be healthy this year, right? That's all he wants for them." But the way they play, their style of play, unfortunately, does not necessarily match up with being 100% healthy just because they do they never stop as you said and they play so physical but my favorite is is you know where I usually not in COVID times but I usually get to be right between the benches I mean it might be the third period of a tight game and it's physical and the other team as you said they hate going against the Sezikis line Casey Sezikis always has a smile on his face no matter what they come off this hardship they've been beaten up he comes off big smile on his face he is absolutely loving life and it is awesome to see I want to I, I want to wrap it up with you with, the, with with this subject, which is probably, you know, it, it may be the biggest storyline here is what we're going to see out of Ilya Sorokin, you know, finally coming over to the Islanders. I, I want to ask it to you this way: as a player, what did a goalie have to do coming into a team to really earn your trust? You know, coming into the group. That's a good, that's a great question. It's a great way to phrase that uh, question and try to get to it because it is a, that is, and I was a defenseman for much of my career. Um, so the, the relationship between goalie and players that it is solely based on trust and it's and communication. Um, and so I think that for me as a player, I liked a goalie who did communicate a lot, that talked a lot. Now I, I, on the Olympic team, I played with two, two goalies named, both named Sarah. One talked all the time, one did not. 
Um, but I, you know, I played with them for so long that it didn't matter, right? I got used to the way that they communicated wasn't necessarily verbal. Um, I think that a big game, right? If, if Sorokin comes in and has, makes a couple big saves, that is going to, that it's going to endear him to everybody. I mean, us, the fans, and, and for sure, that's an easy way to do it. Um, I, I think that the fact that he went into the bubble knowing that he wasn't going to play already, that's setting himself up for a great relationship with this team and this program. And I really respect Lou for doing that, um, knowing that he was taking a spot of players that could go in there, but knowing how important it was to the future. It was a nod to the future, help him work on his English. He was a part of that awesome ping pong tournament that everybody saw on Twitter. Um, and, you know, to really start that team bonding and to see the way that Varlamov and Grice work together because they were such a good tandem. And it's obviously hard to see Grice leave because he's such a good a goalie partner. But Varlamov uh, earned a ton of trust from Barry and the team. And I think he will be his go-to guy for big games. There's no question in my mind right now. Now, I'm not saying that Sorokin can't come in and and um, and earn some of that. And maybe they do start doing the 50-50 split, which Barry Trotz loves so much and has had so much success with over the last two seasons. Um, but I think that as a player, it's it's that hard work. It's coming out. And, and you know, everything I've seen is is Sorokin has done that. He's he's worked with the goalie coaches. He's, he's skated at their optional skates that they've had before training camp started. So just from what I can see on the outside, not a part of the team, he has done what I would want as a defenseman. What I would want our goalie to do is to buy in, be there, work hard, learn the systems, learn the team, and, and be excited to be there. I, I can't wait to watch him play, watch how they, you know, and then of course they've got Corey Schneider will probably be on the taxi squad. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good goalie group they've got. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, Islander fans have been waiting five seasons for this guy to come over. So it's, he does have a lot of expectations. So it is going to be interesting. I mean, he's older and, and, you know, everything that I, and, and I actually think it's amazing that he's going to be paired with Varlamov because they both came from the KHL and that is going to be, I don't think we can overspeak how important that is. It's just the different styles of play and how Varlamov can help him adjust to the different style in North America. But you're absolutely right for Islanders fans. I mean, we're looking at this guy like he is gonna he's gonna become the franchise player, and I, I don't think that's it right away. But I think he's building into what the expectations are for him. How tough is it going to be for him to see through the traffic? Because in the KHL, you know, you get a much – goalies get a much cleaner look at the puck a lot of the times. I mean, I'm not saying there's no traffic at the crease, but the NHL is predicated on that traffic at the crease. How, how hard an adjustment do you suspect that's going to be for him? I, I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment for sure. Um, and I think that the, the tipped pucks and the bodies in front and the, the size and the physical play – I think that's where Varlamov is really going to be helpful to him and to probably help him shake it off because he's going to let in goals that traffic in front that pinballed off people. And he's probably going to think, well, what, what on earth, how am I supposed to stop that puck if I can't see it? Um, and I think he will have to learn to adjust to that because obviously that is the NHL game. And that's what, right. That's what we t we want our players to do. I don't just go to the net, take his eyes away, get there, get in front of the goalie. Um, so I, I, I think that's, I will say whether you blame from the KHL or wherever, I can't imagine being a goalie. And my son, my 13 year old son is a goalie, um, but it, it, to be a goalie and have that much traffic in front of you and have that, it, you sometimes see these saves, these just reflex saves, these reactionary saves. And some of that is just training. Some of it is just how they're wired. So I think it'll be interesting to see right off the bat how he's done 
uh, what they think of him coming into coming out of camp, rather how he's done, because they're going to they're going to test him on that. And he's been working with uh, Piero Greco and Mitch Korn, the goalie gurus that Barry has there. So he has a really good team around him to help him adjust. But I agree with you. That's going to be the biggest adjustment for him, for sure. And probably his acrobatic athleticism will get him through a couple of rough patches before that kind of NHL goalie instinct can be, you know, embedded in him. So he, you know, for, for the Islanders sake, you know, maybe he'll be a little bit ahead of the curve on, on that, but it will certainly be, it'll be a lot, a lot of fun to just watch the development here. So it will be, it will be fun. And you just hope that his athleticism and acrobatics don't take him out of position. That's what yeah. sometimes you see with goalies that get like that is they, it's these big dramatic saves, but they don't have to make it quite so dramatic. So hopefully that he can sort of mesh the two of them together, right? Be positionally sound, make the put, make them hit him. Uh, but regardless, the fact that he has that athleticism, I mean, the goalies, they've got to be the most athletic players on the team. It's, a, it's crazy what they have to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, AJ, I, I really appreciate your time with this and uh, really hoping to see you around the ring very, very soon. I can't believe, uh, you know, we're, we're getting back into this. It's, it's I know. opening night is a week from tonight. I'll be there. I'll be um be doing the show that night. So I can't wait to see the Islanders Rangers open up the the 2021 season. Yeah. No. And and again, good luck with girls on the bus with Cami Granado, and uh, you know all the best to you and your family. Happy New Year. Thanks, Andrew, to you as well. Thank you so much, uh, AJ, for uh, for hopping on. Uh, I, I really appreciated her doing that. I, I know she's got an incredibly busy schedule, uh, as they say, both on the ice and and off the ice uh, w- with her family, and uh, you know, getting getting her kids to and from the rinks, and uh, <laughs> and also preparing uh, not just for you know Islanders' work on MSG, but national work. Uh, she's become a uh, a significant uh, part of uh, NBC's national coverage, and uh, you know can't can't get enough of uh, AJ's coverage because she knows she knows what what's the phrase she she knows more hockey than uh, you know well she knows more hockey than I do that's that's for certain I mean she she played the sport at the highest level uh, you know in the Olympics so. Uh, you know, again, thank you so much uh, for AJ for hopping on. And now uh, uh, I'm going to hop on some questions as we get to Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. Thanks to everyone who contributed uh, to this episode with the questions. I've I've tried as best I could to... Uh, to group the, uh, the the topic so I'm not hopping all over the place. And uh, let's start in the, I, I guess, the obvious topic here is Matthew Barzell. As, as I mentioned before speaking to AJ, um, still unsigned as of this recording. And uh, time is getting short for the Islanders to get their uh, number one center signed and ready for the season opener. So... Uh, you know, I'm just going to run through this. Plenty of, you know, uh, the kid who won the Calder, 
basically is like, and, and he's right, is when are they going to sign Matt Barzell? It's really the only question. Uh, Brian Pavane wants to know if Barzell isn't signed by the start of the season, will they still negotiate during the season or will he be forced to sit out the full season? No, 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 no. They can still negotiate and they will negotiate. Uh, I, I believe February 11th off the top of my head is the last date for restricted free agents or free agents to uh, sign and be eligible eligible to play this season. So uh, just under a month between the start of the season and, and, and that deadline. So there there will be time, but, you know, geez, what a knock it would be to the Islanders if uh, they, they, they took it that long. Um, P. Williams wants to know, when does uh, Boychuk's hit uh, for long-term injured reserve uh, come in? And that would be uh, January 12th at 5 p.m., I believe. Uh, the final... Uh, rosters for the regular season openers have to be submitted, and that's when Boychuk will go on LTIR, and that's when the six million cap hit that Boychuk has, the Islanders can go above the eighty-one point five million uh, by that six million. So uh, P. Williams wants to know: Is that tied into Barzell? And yeah, yes and no. I mean. You know, the the Islanders are going to need that $6 million, uh to fit Barzell under the camp, but it's not tied in at this moment. You know, the, the Islanders could sign Barzell, you know, right now. Um, they can still exceed the $81.5 million by 10%, which is a significant sum. And and do that up until that January 12th. So the, the Islanders do not need to wait for Johnny Boytruck Boychuk to go on LTIR to uh to to sign Barzell and get that done. So uh let's see. Um uh, let's see. Josh McDowell also wants to know is Barzell going to sign a contract? Uh yeah, I mean that's the plan. Um Scott R and brand new uh well Scott R also is, you know, same thing. Only question is when will he sign? Um, brand new wants to know, why do you think no NHL team offer sheeted Barzell? And you see, you see how rare offer sheets are. And particularly now with, with this flat cap and, and few teams really having the money to spend. I mean, the devils and the, the senators were among the teams that had a uh, wiggle room, but, uh, no team offer sheeted Barzell, because no matter what you put out there, the Islanders were going to match it. And it just becomes an, an exercise in futility. And really all you're doing is ticking off Lou Lamarillo and other GMs around the league. Um, Dan Dan Noodles 78, uh, who just, same deal, um, Barzell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sammy Smith uh, wants to know, does a potential Barzell bridge deal leave any room for possible improvements for the future trade deadline? And yeah, um, probably uh, the way it's going to work, and, and, and not necessarily because of Barzell, uh, you have a 23-man roster max, but most NHL teams, I think, especially with this taxi squad, you know, may really only carry 20 active players. That will allow teams to accrue daily cap room as you go through the 
the season allowing you know by the time we get to the trade deadline teams are going to have enough cap flexibility for there to be some moves um so that's that's really where we are with Matthew Barzell and now we come to the next uh, most uh requested topic which of course comes with with its own theme music and that of course is Russian rookie goalie Ilya Sorokin Funny enough, uh, uh, Mike Seidler and Melissa and, you know, uh, some of the uh, questioners just wanted to hear the Sorokin theme music. So uh, I'm glad we've got a, a number one hit in our rotation. But Melissa does ask, how is Sorokin doing? And, you know, it's it's sort of been tough to, to see through some of these drills and the scrimmages, um, especially when they're at the other side of the ice and, and uh, my eyes seem to be declining on a yearly basis here. So, uh, you know, as far as a full scouting report, uh, I, I wish I had more for you, but you do notice his speed. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, we, we've all seen the YouTube uh, clips of him and, and he looks faster in person than he does in YouTube. And he also looks more acrobatic um, he's, he's a very flexible guy. I, I can report that. Um, he gets post to post pretty quickly there. Um, and, and he can make that sprawling save. And, but as you heard AJ mention, you know, you don't want him relying on that. You don't want him out of position to where he has to do that type of stuff. So, you know, uh, you see Mitch Korn and you see Piero Greco working every single day on the angles. You see him working, uh, you know, on, on seeing through that traffic and just the fundamentals and, and the goalie drills that that were very effective when they were when they were working with Robin Leonard uh, two seasons ago, and certainly uh, uh, very effective with uh, Varlamov and uh, Thomas Grice last season as well. Um, Notorious Imp, uh, thoughts on Sorokin so far? Well, you know, uh, my thoughts beyond what I just said is I'm, I, I can't wait to talk to this guy. And, and so far, the Islanders have not made him available. And, and you know, I, I guess... You can have some patience. You know, we've all waited five years for this guy. Um, you can wait another day or two to talk to him. But, you know, that that that's the next thing in the Ilya Sorokin, you know, where we go from here. I, I really am looking forward to the day when the Islanders make him available to the media via Zoom so we, so we can talk to him uh, about this transition to North America. Um Inzo says, as much as I became a fan of Arlamov last season, I get nervous any time he had to play the puck. Any scouting report on Sorokin's stick handling outside the crease? And to be honest with you, I I I, I tried to do you know searches and, and I read you know online scouting reports on him, and I couldn't find his stick handling mentioned. And I guess you could take that as a good thing, where it's not. A glaring deficiency. I, I cannot tell you through, you know, the first two practices and uh, a, a scrimmage, 
you know, how his stick handling is. Um, but I will be able to report more and more on that as I see more and more of him. Um, and our old friend Johnny Pajamas wants to know, does Sorokin know his nickname is White Whale? Um, and how awesome would it be if he had a White Whale on his goalie helmet? He does not. And I, I'm not sure <laughs> whether he's heard that or not. And I'm not sure I could explain it to him. I mean, I, he's a bright guy, um, you know, but he is still just learning English. So I'm not exactly sure uh, how well uh, we could communicate that to him. Uh, let's see. Um, and, and of course, you've, you've all seen the reports, and, and this is a no-brainer that the Islanders, you know, would, would not mind moving some salary out. Um, and, you know, Thomas Hickey and Leo Komarov uh, are, are natural candidates there. Um, and, and that's not anything against those players. It's just the reality of business here. And for the Islanders to do that, you know, for someone to take on Thomas Hickey or Leo Komarov, the Islanders will probably have to sweeten the deal. There there would not be much coming back. It would be a, a pure salary dump, and you'd probably have to sweeten it with a draft pick or, or maybe one of the, you know, not not one of the upper echelon prospects, but you, you might have to include a, a, a younger player as well. Um any rumor, this is from Chuck, any rumor that they are shopping Hickey and Komarov to clear space to sign Barzell to a higher long-term deal uh, rather than a two-year, $7 million annual that's been speculated. And uh, look, I, I, I think Lou and Barzell's sides are investigating everything right now. And, you know, uh, Hickey and Komarov being off the books, it... it, it it really wouldn't change things up, bridge deal, longer term deal. So I don't necessarily see the two of those uh, um, being tied in. Rye wants to know, uh, you know, if Hickey or Komarov can be moved, any chance they both start uh, the season going through waivers to lessen their cap hits and to slide in uh, Michael Dalcal and Oliver Wallstrom or Dimitro Timoshev next to Pajot. Um and and also, Rai, you, you ask about, well, will Timoshev sign, by the way? And he is signed. The teams, the, the Islanders have not officially announced anything uh, with their free agents. Corey Schneider, Matt Martin, uh, Andy Green. We're still waiting for the official announcements. Um, but those three guys are on the ice, and Timoshev is, is on the ice as well. And that means he has a signed deal. Um, so... You know, we're we're just I, I guess waiting for the uh for the paperwork to go through. But yes, he he is signed and uh look, yeah, I, I mean if Hickey and Komarov are still around, yes, they could they could go through waivers. Um the Islanders would, would save one point oh seven million against either of their contracts by getting them through waivers. Um but it it, it is more of uh, you know the Islanders, you know, if Oliver Wallstrom has a great training camp, I, I think, you know, obviously he's going to have a spot on Pajot's line, I would think. And, uh, you know, Timoshev also, you know, he was a bottom six player in Toronto and in Detroit. And Lou, you know, who was the Maple Leafs GM at the time, obviously, you know, 
see something in him. So he's going to get a real shot. And and Trotz again was praising Del Col uh, the other day. Uh, gets a goal in the scrimmage. And, you know, I, I guess there are two ways to look at that is, you know, Trotz could have been, wow, that, you know, that guy had a good day. Or, you know, maybe trying to bump up his trade value. Arfjord uh, wants to know whether I think Lou can make a deal that would ship out Hickey, Ladd, or Leo. Um, and what will it cost? And like I said, uh, you're not going to get anything back. It's going to be probably a, a draft pick or a prospect in that pick, in that trade. Um, I think Hickey and Leo are easier to trade than Andrew Ladd. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, but you, we've seen Lou make these, you know, how do he make those deals kind of deals to get out from a huge salary? So, you know, let's hypothetical that they're able to, you know, someone is willing to take on Andrew Ladd's contract. Um, it's really how much will Lou include in the deal to make it worth that other team's time. Derek also wants to know about Andrew Ladd and whether they can deal him. And uh, uh, Derek also wants to know with Beauvillier, Sorokin, Sezikis, and Pellick as uh, free agents and Bo and, uh, you know, other than Casey, those are RFAs. Um, do, you th- do I think they'll be able to bring them all back? And uh, I-, I do think there's a plan in there somehow. I mean, certainly Sorokin, you know, unless he's a total bomb this season, which I- I- I'm having a hard time imagining, um, I, I think Sorokin for sure, he's part of the foundation going ahead. And the same can be said for Beauvillier and Pellick. Um, you know, of course you got the expansion draft coming up and that's going to, you know, not necessarily for those, you know, for Sorokin, Beauvillier and Pellick, but, uh, you know, that that's going to potentially, you know, maybe free up some money for the Islanders as well. Um, Casey Sezikis, you know, um, until they got Matt Martin signed to a four-year deal, I was skeptical as to whether, you know, the Islanders might move on from Casey Sezikis or not. But, you know, I, I really think the Matt Martin signing, you know, indicates that they're they're going to move ahead with Casey as well, if possible. Um, let's see, Coho, uh, and this is moving on to a Sebastian Ajo, um, the Islanders defenseman, uh, uh, question. Um, Coho wants to know uh, whether I think Aho sees meaningful minutes this season. And I, I, you know, depending on what happens with Hickey, let let's say uh, the Islanders cannot move Thomas Hickey, and they do not want to pass him through waivers and get him to the AHL uh, because they think he's valuable as a seventh defenseman. Well, in that case, you know, Ajo's chances of seeing meaningful minutes decrease. However, I, I, I do think if the Islanders can, you know, move on from Thomas Hickey, um, Sebastian Ajo is clearly the seventh defenseman at that point. And, you know, seventh defensemen do see meaningful minutes because there are injuries through the season. And, and with these, you know, back-to-backs and heavy schedule, you're going to get your seventh defenseman into rest guys from here and there. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a very good chance Sebastian Ajo sees meaningful minutes this season. Um, an expansion draft question from Derek. Are no-trade contracts exempt from the expansion draft? And the answer is no. Uh, no, no movement clauses. Uh, you know, no movement clauses are, are, you have to protect those guys, but uh, no-trade clauses are, are not exempt. A um, couple of camp questions. Scotty is uh, wondering, if is there any shot that the Islanders move on from Michael Dalcall? And you know, Michael is there competing for a roster spot. And as, as I speculated before, is the praise of him out off of that scrimmage? Are they trying to bump up his trade value? And maybe, you know, you have to include a Michael Dow call with the Thomas Hickey to make that kind of trade. Um, B. Bauman wants to know on why Cole Bardreau was not invited to camp. Um and here, here are my thoughts on that. And I, I wavered on Cole um, when I was making my camp projections. And, you know, um, I, I sort of thought he might be, you know, on on the fringe coming in. But what what I think really happened is that Lou and Barry and the whole coaching staff, you know, with the way this is, and I talked about it at the top of the episode, you have to make up your mind quickly here. So... I really think Barry and and Lou made some, you know, pre-camp decisions about who had a real shot of getting into the top 12 or the top 13 amongst the forwards. And if that wasn't going to happen, then you weren't going to see him in camp, uh, really. And and the same goes for Josh Hosang. Um, Barry and Lou just wanted to concentrate on guys that they really thought, um, you know, could be, uh, you know, NHL players uh, full time. And I think the Islanders thinking on Cole Bardreau and, and I think it's the same thinking that the Philadelphia Flyers came to is, is he's sort of a tweener. He's a he's a very good AHL player who you can spot into an NHL game here and there. Um, but as far as him having a full-time role, I, I don't think the organization is sold on that. Um, Kako wants to know any news on PP units. And, uh, you know, this is a, a, a Barry, uh, you know, this is his model, but he does not get into special teams first thing off. Um, so, you know, first three days of training camp, there, were, there was no special teams work. Uh, Lou Lamorello question from Matt. How long do you see Lou working f- uh, for the Islanders and who would be his successor? Is someone being groomed? And uh, yes, there is a Lamorello being groomed to replace uh, a Lamorello. Uh, Lou's son, Chris, uh, is an assistant GM. Uh, he's the Bridgeport GM. And I really think, you know, with there could be a line of succession here. Uh, Lou is hoping to hand this off to his son at a certain point. I don't, you know what? I, I don't see it. Obviously, it's not this season. And I, I, I see Lou, you know, probably wanting to, to do this for about five years um, and, and possibly even longer. I mean, Lou is in great shape. 
um, was he 78, 79? Um, you know, better shape than I am. I'll say that. Uh, I mean, and he's, he's got, you know, when, when I was covering, uh, the NFL coaches always talked about motor, you know, <laughs> players motor and, and Lou's got a motor that doesn't quit really. I mean, he's incredibly energetic. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know if in Lou's mind, and he, of course, would never let this on, whether he has, you know, whether he wants to just work, you know, as the GM one more year. And I I, I do think when it happens, what Lou's going to do is he's going to, you know, step down as GM or relinquish his GM duties and just be the team president um, and probably appoint. Chris Lamarillo as the GM, but even as president and even with his son as the GM, I would still see Lou as the guy calling the shots in the, uh, in the organization. Um, uh, let's see, Mike, uh, Vasilikos wants to know, did I sense that Matty Martin was getting other offers for three or four years? And I- I'll be honest with you. I, I-, I was, you know, color me shocked that Matt Martin got a, a four-year deal. I mean, going into the offseason, I thought Matt Martin would get a one-year deal from the Islanders to match, you know, his ex- ex- expiration date up with Casey Sezika's expiration date. But um, four years for Matt, and look, congratulations to him. Uh, no one... You know, there may not be a more beloved player on on, on Long Island, or and certainly in the community. Um, you know, Anders Lee obviously is way up there with all the uh, wonderful work he does as well, and really a, a lot of the players with their uh, you know community and and you know the social work they do. But you know, Maddie Martin seems to be special on the island, and you know if this means he can finish his career as an Islander, I, I think that's obviously what both sides want um does make him you know available for the expansion draft you know getting a four-year done uh, just throw that out as well um and I don't think Maddie would be a guy that the Islanders would would necessarily you know uh put on their protected list so um you know I, I I'm not saying it's a guarantee he's going to finish his career with the Islanders, but it does give him a chance. As far as whether I sensed he was getting other offers for three or four years, no. No, I, I thought at most, you know, two years and, you know, maybe three years, but really I, I thought two years would be the max for, for Matty Martz. And, uh, you know, I, I I don't know whether or not Lou went to four years because there was pressure, you know, yeah, that he knew that there was a three or four year offer out there or whether this is, you know, more expansion draft, uh, um, predicated, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't, I personally did not sense a, a Matty Martin going this long in, in the term of his deal. And, uh, we'll finish Andrew's answers with a couple of questions, from and about uh, my two Newsday colleagues and uh, frequent contributors to Island Ice, Neil Best and Colin Stevenson. And uh, first, uh, my my good friend Neil um, (laughs) is wondering, if I am not uh, allowed at the Coliseum due to COVID restrictions, and this is, you know, they're obviously going to limit the number of media members coming into the building. Uh, I think we've been told 
Uh, I don't know if this is official or not, but uh, one person uh, per outlet. So if I am in the Coliseum, that means Neil cannot be in the Coliseum. I think that's how it's working. So Neil wants to know if I am not allowed at the Coliseum due to COVID restrictions, will the Islanders send a free hot dog from the press lounge to my den? I'll work on that, Neil. I don't think any of us are going to be getting uh, any free hot dogs this season, unfortunately. Um, Andy Hicks wants to know, is there any way to follow Colin Stevenson, and that is at Colin S. Newsday, without getting Rangers updates? Um, Andy, um, look, I'm sorry, but Colin's job is covering the Rangers. So, you know, he's filled in for me. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he certainly, you know, if the the Rangers are not in the playoffs and the Islanders are, he's going to help cover the Islanders during the playoffs. But no, if you're following Colin, you're getting Rangers updates. And, you know, I, I understand people don't want their Twitter feeds completely clogged up and you will kind of want to filter it down. But I, you know, I, I follow a lot of different reporters from a lot of different teams and, you know, the national guys too. And I think if you want to get a full picture of the NHL, you know, why not follow a guy like Colin? He's covering a team in your division. I mean, personally, if I, if I'm an Islander fan, I want to know what's going on with the Rangers or the Devils or, you know, or any of the teams in the division, the Flyers, I I would, you know, I would follow a couple of those, you know, other teams reporters and, Look, Colin's a wonderful man, so, uh, you know, give him a follow and, uh, you know, uh, listen to what he says. And, uh, all right, well, that brings us to the end of uh, the questions for Andrew's answers, and that brings us uh, uh, to the end of episode 63 of uh, Island Ice. I really appreciate everyone listening. Remember, you can uh, find all of our Islanders uh, material, both uh, uh, written word and video and podcasts at newsday.com backslash Islanders. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.